0: Grab a seat real quick, and before we dismiss the kids, um, before we dismiss um, them, I got a little illustration this morning, and and I need uh, Terry and Zane. Uh, I heard football. Somebody put a meme out that said football's like 49 days away, uh, 50 days away, so we got a little football illustration here. This is my football team, okay, right here, and um, yeah, dude, it's like... So, so we're ready to go, this is my team. Now, Sophie, can you pass that baby off real quick over to Emily, somebody here? And, and Sophie is now the other team. So you guys, come on right over here, uh, Zane. You, and, you guys are on this team. Sophie, you're over here. All right, Sophie, man, you are just a one-man wrecking crew. All right, little girl, can, can you show them your snarling face? Make them scared of you, all right? Come on, man. You said you were gonna help me, right? Come on. Rah! Alright, that's good That's as close as it's gonna come. Okay, so so in a minute now, what I need you to do is every time we line up, you gotta scare these guys. You gotta be like ah. Alright? And uh, it'll all be good. Alright, guys, come on, let's go back to the huddle. The huddle is where everything happens, man. That's where it all begins. With no huddle, nothing else. this is where we draw the play, man. Come on back here. Okay, so guys, we're gonna oh she's looking. Let's, we're gonna go like She do this <laughs> right here. ready? Show some excitement. Come on, man. We just got out. Hey, Zach. What? Where are you guys going?
1: We had a huddle,
0: man. We had a huddle. We had a play. Did we not? Football ain't cool, man. You don't like football? Come on, guys. This is football. I know you don't care about it. Come on. All right. I'll make it better. I promise. I'll make a better play. I'll be be helping both of you. You'll have something to do. Repose my kids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we we do that in church. We make it like a timeshare presentation, so you have to come back. No. <laughs> alright, so alright, so okay, so let's get a better play. I've got a better play this time, alright? Alright, so I'm just gonna Alright, so come on up, line up. You guys ready? ready? Are you guys ready? ready? Come time. on, give me time, ready this oh, time man. Yeah. yeah. No, like this, like this, like this, man. Come on. Boom! Get on. Hey Zane. come on, man, you guys get ready dude, I don't know
1: if we can. Mm. Where are you guys going now?
0: Scared, scared. man. They're scared. <laughs> They're scared of you. All right, guys, look, man. Look how big you are, Do how you little see? she is. Look. All right, look, man, come on. I will make sure you don't get hurt, okay? I got some new Nike gel pads. And... Uh, come on, guys, just trust me. Come on, one more time. Just trust me one more time, guys. All right, so the first time, I understand you really care about football. Second time, you're kind of cowardly. I mean, you're scared, okay? But this third time, all right, come on, man. All right, this time we're going to focus, and don't let her just focus on the play, and it's going to work, guys. Stay focused on the play. This time, you guys are going to be all All right, ready? Are you ready? All right, let's go. Ready? Omaha! Nebraska! Dude, what is oh, up? come on! on <laughs> Facebook right there. Dude, you, come on, man. Dude, what you're is... handsome, man. <laughs> come on, there's a play. We had a great play. I oh, had we... to get a shot for Facebook. Oh, you guys are so distracted. Oh, what my do you God. Are you, you, you just... Okay, fine. All right, come on back one more time. Oh, right. sorry, I need focus. This time, guys, please, man, sure care we... about it. This is an important matter. This time don't be scared of that little peep squeak right there, alright? <laughs> and, and, and guys, this time stay focused, guys, because here's the plan, alright? Wait a minute, let's get wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, focus, baby, focus, alright? Okay, alright, ready? It's up to you, bro. However much you want to play. Alright, we ready, this Whatever you care, you got it? Just alright, good. Omaha, Nebraska! Philadelphia, Detroit! Detroit. Let go! Yeah! Yeah. All right. right. There is a point to all of this, I will make in a minute, but uh, Sophie, thank you for scaring them off. Guys, thank you. Hey, if you're a kid heading off the kid's land, go back with Miss Laura, man. On your mark, get set in, go! Man the point is this guys that we'll wait till the little settlement comes down. all right. So the point is this guys is that we're on, we're on God's team, God's a quarterback, and every Sunday when we come, God's calling a killer play, isn't He? I mean, how many of you ever walk out of church sometime? Well, I hope you do. You walk out of church you're like, "Oh, I know God spoke to me. I know I get some of the emails and texts from you, and you're like, "Dude, that was right for me." And, and you do give me some applications during the week. But I know a lot of you, man, you hear from God. And so we get there, and, and, and God's given the quarterback a great play. We've got the play. We know what we're supposed to do. And then what happens is after Sunday, we go sit down. Don't we? We go sit down, and we don't pull the play off. And then so what happens is you got to get begged back out. Oh, please, hey, man, come on come to the huddle come to the huddle and let's have a huddle and we'll be there'll be a better play i promise we'll have better water we'll have Gatorade we'll have air conditioned you know benches for you to be on it'll we'll make it more comfortable there'll be a good place for we'll have a good huddle and we come up with another holy spirit plan another holy spirit and we're down going to Omaha Nebraska hike and everybody goes and sits down again for the week now i know that's not you but that's how it is in some churches <laughs> It's none of you guys, is it? You guys don't sit down for the week? Good. And, and so, so here it is. So what happens, man? The quarterback's got to call you out again, and he brings you out. And if you noticed in that little skit that we did, there's usually like three reasons why you go sit back down. And, and one is because you just don't care. <laughs> another one is, is, is because you're scared. And, and another one is because you just got so much else going on in life. And, 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 and Jesus said that's the way it was going to be. But he said, really, if you're going to be my disciple, man, you've got to be committed. He said, when you seek first the kingdom of God, it's not seeking first and then, oh, second is this, third is this, fourth is this. That word seek first means seek only. Seek always. You're seeking in everything that you do in that situation. So, so again, I, I just see that as a great illustration of what happens even to me sometimes. Is that, man, man, we put it all in and we got it on Sunday and we call this great play. And then on Monday, the cares of the world, the fears that come in or just the fact that we really sometimes don't care about the spiritual thing. It may it causes us to just sit down for the week. And and, and probably one of the greatest hindrances to this or one of the things that causes the greatest problem with is the world. That's literally we know that's not really how it happens because I know you're fighting battles, but that's how the world sees the church. They see us coming together. Could you imagine going to a football game? How much does a pro football game even cost? Does anybody know that anymore? Yeah, How much? A bank and and you're yeah. a What's that? You're a bank and and yeah, a to finance a ticket to the Dolphins game or yeah. some even the Bucks, you know. And uh, and, and, and and you have it, it's an expensive ordeal to go to go to that game. And can you imagine if they all Jameis Winston gets them all hooked up and and they call the play and then all of a sudden they go sit down. Would you see anything spectacular if they go sit down after the play? When do you see the spectacular things happen? When do you see what you would call a supernatural athlete? Is it in the huddle? Is it? You don't even see what goes on in the huddle. When you see the awesome things happen is when you see them make that move, man, and the guy's shoes are still there. You see him make that diving catch. They make that tackle that you can just feel on TV, whatever it is. You see it when the play is happening. And that's when the Holy Spirit wants to kick into our lives. Yes, we need the Holy Spirit in this huddle. Yes, we need to feel his presence. Yes, we need to experience his power in church. But man, where it really comes down is when you're making the play. We get the call. We get the play right here on Sundays. Now we got a break. And we need to go make the play and watch God do things in our lives that are so supernatural that only he can get blamed in them. So... What I want to do, we are going to go into Acts chapter 13. And, and you know what I'm finding as I'm studying the book of Acts? I am finding, I'm finding that the Apostle Paul is a great illustration of everything Jesus taught while he was on this planet. Every time I'm studying about the Apostle Paul, I see another little section, like, oh my goodness, that's exactly what Jesus was teaching about in the Beatitudes. That's exactly what Jesus was teaching about. In his kingdom principles. And so, so that's what we're looking at today. And, and again, one, what the reasons guys sat down was because they were callous. They, were, they just didn't care. Their heart, they were prideful. They didn't, they didn't want to take it for the team. They didn't want to play. They wanted to do something else. They were cowardly. They were scared. Their hearts were crowded out. They had too many other things going on. And so I want to ask you, are you callous, cowardly, or crowded? Or are you committed day in and day out? to the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you do understand. Again, I've shared this a million times, and you probably won't shake my hand after this, but on my feet, I have about 100 grains of sand right here. Fernando, would you like to count them for me? You're gonna trust me on that? Yeah, and how about 100, 100 grains of sand, and I've told you this before, if each grain represented one year of life, that's 100 years of life right here. But eternity's not even close to all the rest of the grains of sand on this planet, on all the other beaches. And this little bit of time, once we're born again, once we're saved, once we're God's child, He's now given us this little bit of time to make a difference in eternity. We're on the clock for Christ. And as we go through everyday situations in life, what's supposed to happen is we experience His power, we live in His presence, and we watch God do supernatural things in our life. And people have to say, How did that happen? Oh, my goodness, Karen, how did you do that? How how did you get that accomplished? How did that happen? And what do we have to tell them? It's, It's God. That's his plan. It's not changed since Israel. With Israel, you remember what his plan was there. His plan was, he said, you're my chosen people. Because they deserve to be his chosen people. Fernando, you're reading the Old Testament, aren't you? And, and by the way, if you're looking for a good Bible reading program, a daily thing, um, and, and I'm not doing it so you can check a box, say, oh, I read the Bible through the, for the whole year. But if you want something you can understand and really be a part of it, um, uh, uh, Francis Chan's ministry, what was the book, uh, Crazy Love Ministries has an app out, and it's called Scripture Reading. Go on the App Store and just get uh, script, uh, read Scripture. It's a brown app. Just read Scripture and download that app, and it'll show you how to get through it. It's about 20 minutes a day, but it takes you through the, the Old Testament. It, takes, it has a little video even at the beginning of each book to show you how it all fits together to all lead to Christ and what he's doing. And so uh, if you want more information on that, I'll get it, and I'll get JJ to post it on our Facebook page and on our our app and all of that stuff, but there's a great app that I found after you were telling me. But what were you telling me? Old Testament? You're like, oh my goodness, Abraham, what a scumbag, you know? <laughs> Abraham, what a jerk, you know? He's like, and then and then this guy, they're killed. they're raping people, they're killing people, dude. Do you know what this guy, these guys did? They circumcised the whole city and then killed them while they were healing. I mean, all these different things, and it didn't make much sense in there, you know? and and and, and God's plan from the beginning was this. He said, I am going to choose you, not because you deserve to be chosen, but because I chose you to be my people. Karen, why are you saved? Because he chose you. Did you, in utero, did he say, oh, I know what Karen's going to do in her lifetime. Yes, she's on my team. No, he's like, oh, my goodness, she has to be on my team. I'm just like, that's what he did with all of us. He chose us, man. And I don't understand the whole he didn't choose other people stuff. I'm not even getting into that. I just know that I have been chosen by him. How many of y'all have been chosen by him? Man, he chose us, not because we deserved it, but with Israel, he chose him. And he said, guys, now I'm going to teach you how to worship me. And I'm going to give you a set of rules of how I want to be worshipped. Can God determine how he wants to be worshipped? Absolutely. He is all powerful, almighty. He is the creator, the heaven, the God of the heavens and the earth. If anyone can choose what they want and how it's going to be done, it's God. And we need to give him that. And he said, Israel, here's how I want you to worship me. Here's how I want you to live. And if you live this way, you will not be able to comfortably live in any other society, period. But if you live this way that's different, I will bless your socks off. See, he blessed my socks off. You ain't seen me in socks in a while, right? He, he blessed their, he would bless them if they lived that way. And, and that's what he said he would do. And he said, now, if other people want to live that way and have what you have, man, invite them. Let him be a part of it. God's plan for Israel was evangelistic so that everybody in the world could see that if you live God's way, that there was going to be something different while you were here on this planet. And it's the same plan for us. But the only way you can experience that is through that committed life to Christ. And so, again, I got another question. Are you all about comfort or are you all about courageous. If your spiritual life, if you had to walk in one side or the other and there was a closet for Captain Comfort and a closet for Captain Courageous, which closet would you be in, Terry? <laughs> which one would you be in? Seriously, in your, if I'm not talking about, you know, Yeah, I know you work hard, you just want to lay down and be in there. That's not what I'm talking about. But in your walk with Christ, Sean, are you a Captain Courageous? or are you a Captain Comfort? You're like, uh, you know, that could get kind of messy, and I don't think I'm going there, man. Or are you going to say, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going for it. Whatever God wants me to do, I'm going for it because I've only got a short time to live for him, and I've got to be with him forever in heaven, and this is what I'm supposed to do right now, and I love him. So are you a Captain Courageous? or you're a Captain Comfort, man? I've got to ask you that because that's going to play a lot into it. So where I want to take you before I take you to the Apostle Paul is I want to take you to a parable that you guys probably are familiar with, but maybe you didn't realize when Jesus started introducing the kingdom of heaven to people. You know, everybody had been waiting for the Messiah. A lot of people believed it was him. He was going to have to prove it to them, they thought. And, and, And he started introducing the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not sure we get it of how he introduced the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven has not changed one bit. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 through 23, starting in verse 1, it says, On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. Okay, so this is how Jesus introduced the kingdom. He went and sat by the sea. All right, so did Jesus have a barbecue to try to get everybody to come on over? And, hey, everybody, come here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, we're going to have a carnival And we're going to bring the whole neighborhood in and we're going to bring it. Now, is there anything wrong with doing that if you're a church? Not necessarily, unless that's what you're into and you miss the main part, which is the gospel. And so Jesus, he had no frills. He had no nothing. Jesus sat by the sea. That's what he did. He went out of the house and he sat by the sea. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is what? It's Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we've got so many plans, so many programs, so many special events. So We in churches sometimes are so busy with the huddle. And you know what happens? We do. I told you we have the huddle. And we're like, yes, awesome. Wasn't that an awesome huddle? How I many of you have ever been an awesome church huddle before? <laughs> yes, that huddle was awesome. And then we go home and we sit down and you're like, dang, man, this just ain't the same. Hey, let's have a Monday night huddle. And so we have a Monday night huddle. It's like, yeah, that huddle was great. And then we go back home, and you're like, dang, it's Tuesday. You know, Wednesday night's huddle ain't so awesome, man. All we do is pray, man. You know, Wednesday night huddle, and off. Hey, let's do something special. Let's have a great Wednesday. And all we seem to do is have huddles. Huddles are awesome if huddles are where God calls the plays, and we go pull the play off to the power of the Holy Spirit. So on the same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the sea, man. That's his huddle. No nothing, man. No frills, nothing. He sat by the sea. And I'm not saying if you got all that stuff, it's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying if you put more into the production than you do into his plan, it's wrong. And that's what's happened over and over again. I have been guilty. For 20 years, I've been guilty of this whole church growth movement to try to attract people so I could water rocks instead of watering plants that are growing. God called me in this phase at Driftwood, man. I'm going I'm to get the gospel out to all the rocks, to all the weeds, all the everything, man. Because I don't know who's going to turn out to be what. But God did not call me to plant a church or to, to grow a church. That's not what he called Driftwood to do is to grow a church. He called us to make disciples. And if, man, we can make disciples and fire you up and get you growing and you take off somewhere else, awesome. If we filled every other church up around here, awesome. We're all on the same team. If we can take it and make little sand dunes, awesome. If if a church grows, awesome. And this is awesome to see you guys. How many of y'all were in this room the very first time we ever were in this room? And there were eight of us, weren't there? So every time in the parking lot, we never know who's coming or what's happening. But every time I come here and I see more than eight, I'm like, yes, (laughs) awesome. Again, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, man. I love when there's people here, and you saw me in June when they, all you guys were gone. i was like, I'd go home and be like, oh, God, are we supposed to quit? You know, that's my, my flesh. But I know we're supposed to make disciples. That's what Jesus was about. So listen to this story. He said, as he, oh, wait, wait, go back again now. What was he doing? On the same day, he went out of the house, and what did he do? What was his plan? Sat by the seat. By the seat. But look what happened and this is what the holy spirit does when the holy spirit said this is what he does Now, it doesn't have to be a great multitude it can be one but a great multitude great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into the boat and he sat and the whole multitude stood on shore so let's just say this is it you guys all came and let's just you got to use your imagination cuz think I'm Jesus all right Use your imagination. I take Peter and Andrew's brand new fishing boat out. <laughs> that's really what happened here. And he got in the boat and actually, wait, wait, this is backwards. You guys are supposed to stand. Go ahead and stand real quick. OK, stand. And now I'm sitting. Hey, do you guys want to do church this way? <laughs> what do you think? How many of y'all vote to do it this way? How many of y'all say, no, dude, you should stand and we'll sit? All right, go ahead and grab a seat, man. But look what happened. That's what happened. You know, sometimes we're all about making this comfortable, make this appealing, make this sensitive, make this this. Jesus, I want you to see how raw the gospel is. Jesus wasn't trying to attract people with the donuts, even though that's a good idea, Terry. Donuts, I just put in and get you to do anything for a donut, right? And, and and donuts are good, but that's not what Jesus did. He said, great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he could. He got into the boat, and the whole multitude stood by the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sea. Now, how many of y'all ever, you ever left a... Mat, and you don't have to say whether it was this church or not, but how many of you ever left a church service saying, Dang, I just didn't get fed. Dang, I just didn't get... Man, I, I, you almost felt it was a waste of time because, like, oh, I came and I didn't hear anything from God. Raise your hand, please. I've been there, too. And, and, and you don't have to admit if it was here or not. That's all good. But... How many of y'all ever pray for the rapture while the preacher's speaking? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I know you guys have done that here, so. But you know what, dude? I'm preaching what God puts on my heart. He spoke many things to them, but I want you to listen to Jesus' message. All right? I really want you to see it because I think we've missed this. Jesus said, he got up. All right, so let's pretend on Jesus he came up to, Behold, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. The birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony place where they did not have much earth. They immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground, yielded a crop, some 100-fold, some 60, and some 30. Hey, y'all have a great day. Jesus loves you. (laughs) And he walked out. That was it. That was his message. No elaboration. In fact, even look at some of the other gospel accounts of this. It was even shorter. That's the long version right there. He had no explanation, no nothing. He walked up and just said to a bunch of farmers. I people and said, hey, man, you know what? As that sower was carrying seed out, some of it fell out and it fell on the wayside. You know, as he was going, some of it fell in the cracks in the sidewalk. Hey, some of it fell in with the thorns and everything. And some of it fell on good ground. Hey, the stuff that went on good ground, it grew. Duh. <laughs> That's it. The farmers, the guys who were just coming to hang out were like, Did he, what, what, what was that about? What? But the people who were seeking him, the people who believed he was the the Messiah, the people who were looking for the kingdom and believed he had the keys to it, the people who really wanted to know were like, dude, what do you think he meant by that? What do you think this happened? What do you think? And they, and and even his disciples were that way. So look at this next response by his disciples. I want you to see this his, uh, his, his message wasn't very elaborate in this. So his disciples came to him later. Okay? And here's what his disciples said in modern language. Jesus, dude, we had a crowd. We had a multitude of people. They all came. And you only have one chance to make a first impression, and you blew it. That's really what they're saying to him. All you did, you threw this out. Jesus told him about some seed falling. Why are you speaking to him in parables? Jesus... You're the Messiah, you know everything, but they aren't getting it. Give them a little elaboration. Feed them, Jesus. Explain this to them. And so, but in their words, the disciples came and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to them in a way they don't understand? Because let me ask you a question if you heard that message from Jesus, would you understand if you were not a born again, if you weren't a believer, if you didn't have faith? You would hear, dude, okay, well, that's a little farming lesson for me. (laughs) Uh, I guess I'll make sure. Maybe I'm supposed to not spill seed as I'm walking. You know, maybe I'm supposed to make sure it all gets in the good ground. I don't know. What does it have to do with the kingdom? But let me ask you a question. Anybody who wanted to know what it had to do with the kingdom, could they ask him? And would he tell them? And it's the same thing today. Salvation doesn't go from your head to your heart it goes from your heart to your head and watch the rest of this in here he answered and said to him because it's been given that disciple said jesus look you blew it with them but but why didn't you speak to him why didn't you elaborate why didn't you tell them a little more he answered and said because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it's not been given so let me ask you a question how many of y'all understand spiritual things where'd you get that from Where'd you get that from, Karen? Where'd you get it, John? Where'd you get it, Christy? Where, and when you walk away, who is it that make, it makes sense to you? Right. And, and so you have a desire to learn from God, a desire to follow him. You, he, he talked about faith. He said, if you use it, what happens? All right, let's, say, let's, let's go this way. If you don't use it, what happens? You lose it. We saw that all through the Gospel of Mark. If you don't use the faith he's given you, and you say, no, I think I'm going to keep it nice and tucked away in this little package right here. That's all the faith I need. And God's trying to add more. You're like, no, I'm not unscrewing the lid. I got as much as I need. I I got my whole other world all comfortable, but here's my little package of faith. I'm good. This ought to be enough to get me into heaven. And by the way, Matthew chapter 7 says that's not going to be enough to get you into heaven. Because if you want to screw the lid on your faith and you don't want any more, there's a good chance you don't have the faith. To be saved. You just got some nice, neat little religious package that you're counting on. That's why in Matthew 7, he starts putting people in lines. And the people going in the wrong line are, are like, whoa, what, Jesus? Didn't I preach in your church? Didn't I worship it? Didn't I heal? Didn't I prophesy? And he said, yeah, but I never knew you. Be gone. Talking about going to hell. He said, I never knew you. That's the word gnosko. It means to have an experiential, personal relationship. How many of y'all know what it means? How many of you heard people talk about to know somebody in the Bible sense? <laughs> you know what that means? When you know somebody in the Bible sense, ooh, he knew her in the Bible sense. Yeah. You know, that, that's an intimate, experiential relationship. That's that word, gnosko. He said, man, you and I never had that, that personal, intimate relationship. In other words, he says, when you're saved, when you're born again... When you're going to heaven, you have, at some degree, you have that personal, intimate relationship with him. You love him. I'm not saying you don't go through times in your life where you backslide, you have, like, back and forth a little bit. But, again, you love him. You want to please him. You have a thriving relationship with him. And so he goes on and says, because it's given you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given, at least not yet. For whoever has to him, what does what it say? To whoever ha, him, has what? Oh. More is going to be given. So if you want more Jesus, Susan, if you want more Jesus, man, can you get more Jesus? And, and so you want another little jar? You want to look like one of the paintball guys and have it all wrap, around you, man? I'm going to wrap myself Dude, that's it, man. I just want one of the Jesus samurai suits, man. You know, that, if you want more Jesus, can you have more Jesus? Yes. Yes. But you got to want it. And he gives you a little seed of faith. He gives you opportunities every day. But what happens is sometimes we're not Captain Courageous. We're Captain Comfortable. And we're like, oh, man, this right here looks scary. I ain't going for it so you don't get any more faith. In fact, look what he says to him. More will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, look what it says. Read that, please. Each So you decide, no, dude, I'm going to hang out in my Captain Comfortable chair. And I'm going to be a spiritual couch potato instead of a cliffhanger. And I'm just going to be comfortable instead of courageous. You're going to watch your faith dwindle down. As a believer, you'll watch it dwindle down. And if you're not saved and you're on the verge of giving your life to Christ and you don't use that, you're going to watch it dwindle down and go away. So, man, he he says, if you want more Jesus, go for it. Whatever desires I'm giving you, whatever opportunities I'm giving you, go for it. He said, man, it may not be comfortable, but it's going to be well worth it. And we'll talk more about that. So he goes on. Therefore, he said, I speak to him in parables because seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Isaiah said this. He's quoting Isaiah's prophecy. He says, which says, hearing you will hear and you're not going to understand. Seeing you'll see and you'll not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I would heal them. You think that's a good thing. But here's what he says. Look, I'm not chasing you. You're chasing me. He says in this situation, he said, if you want me, I'll let you catch me. (laughs) We're playing tag right now and I'm it. You know, Jesus isn't going to, he can outrun all you guys, period, all right? Because he can fly, he can do anything. And, but he's not going to not let you catch him. You chase him, can you catch him? Mm-hmm. Who gives you the desire to chase Jesus? He gives you that desire. So when he gives you the desire to chase him and to go after him, what an awesome gift. Because when you catch him, you get what kind of life? Eternal life. That lasts forever. And there's only two kinds of eternal life. You have one in heaven and one in hell. So he gives you a desire to chase him. And when you say, no, I don't really care. It's like, really? (laughs) You don't care? I just gave you. I'm the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. See, we tend to think he's some equal. And he's got to prove himself to us. And make a case to us. And make himself palatable to us. He didn't even do that to these first century people. He said, man, I'm going to give you a desire to chase me. If you're interested, I will let you catch me. And then you hold on and we'll have other people chase us too. He said, but if you don't care, you don't care. I'll I'll probably give you some other opportunities. But if you don't care, dude, I'm not going to make you give your life to me. That's not love. I can't do that. So he goes on. or, 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 Or you got too many other things going on. What did Jesus say when he asked people to follow him? You're thinking, dude, you're pretty harsh on Jesus. Jesus had a harsh message. But do you remember what he said? He said, okay, all right, nobody builds a building without doing what? Counting the cost. He's trying to tell them about the kingdom. He said, so guys, when you surrender your life to me and walk through this door, I want you to know what the costs are. As soon as we walk out this door, he said, you know, birds have a nest and foxes have a hole. But what would he say? Dude, we're going to be sleeping in the dirt. <laughs> we may not even have a rock to lay our head on. We got, you got nothing but me. He didn't promise all your problems would be solved. Man, he didn't say there were going to be no storms. He said he's going to give you a seaworthy ship to go through them in. How many of y'all have gone through stuff in his seaworthy ship? And you are so glad you did. Amen. Amen. And it's only for a short period of time. And Romans chapter 8 says the sufferings of this life are nothing, not even memorable compared to the glory that will be revealed in us in heaven one day. That's what it's about. And it's about serving him right now. Remember what he said, man, you don't have we don't have any place to go. Hey, if you by the way, if you guys don't like choose, if you choose your mom or your dad, or your brothers, sisters over me. Don't even start following. Don't even start following. If somebody starts plowing and they're going to turn their back. You you know, all the parables, that's what he's saying. He's saying count the cost. It's all or nothing, guys. You're either coming with me or you're not. There's no halfway point in all of this. That's what Jesus preached as a gospel. That's not changed. That's what he's expecting now. Seek first. Seek only. Seek always. And then everything you need. You come with me, man. I ain't leaving you hanging. You may not have a rock, but you're going to sleep good on that dirt. (laughs) It's all going to work out. And in heaven, man, (laughs) don't even worry about it. So he goes, and this was a prophecy in Isaiah about what would happen when the Messiah came. So he said, but blessed are you. Whose eyes, uh, uh, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears that hear. How many of you have had the gospel make sense to you? How many of you can open the word of God and you see God you, God makes sense to you? Do you understand when Jesus was trying to talk to Nicodemus in John chapter three, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, dude, you know, I know you're not teaching the same thing we're teaching, but you got to be from God because nobody can do these awesome things you're doing. Unless God was with you. And he didn't really even know what question to ask. And Jesus, and Nick, Jesus said, you got to be born again. And he says, what? Well, crawl back at my mom? No, no, no. That, I don't understand how i got to do all this. And he said, you know what? This desire that you're getting is from the Holy Spirit. He said, it's like the wind. You don't know when the wind's coming. And you don't know when the wind's leaving. But what do you know? You know when it's, you know when it's there. And so if you have the desire to follow Christ, you have his presence, you have him giving you a desire, man. Know that desire is from him. And there's no guarantee that if you don't act on it, you're ever going to have it again. You might, but you don't know. So he said, that's what he's saying here. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Man, do you know how fortunate you What if God, Zach, Zach, Zach? Josh, Josh, sorry, bro, I've got confused Josh, man, did God give you the desire to to give your life to Jesus Christ? You know, if I killed you right now, say I became a psycho pastor and we just killed you before your dad got to me, it's like, do you know you'd be in heaven? You're worried about me doing that you know, right? No. are <laughs> No, dude, but what if God never gave you that desire? If God never gave you that desire and you died, where would you be? For how long? So that's why he says, blessed are you. Blessed in the biggest degree of blessed that he gave you that desire and your eyes were open and you could see. So I'm just saying if your eyes are open and you can see, how dare you say to God, I don't care. I'm scared. I got too many other things to do. Don't be callous. Don't be cowardly. Don't be crowded, but be committed and realize what a privilege it is to have God speaking into your heart and opening your eyes so that you can have eternal life. He said, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, because they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets, righteous men desire to see what you see, and they didn't see it, to hear what you hear, and, and and you heard it, and they did not. So if you've heard from God, what a tremendous privilege that is. Don't ever take that for granted. And sometimes we might be like, oh, yeah, I don't care. He'll speak to me again later. Oh, yeah, God's been chasing me with this forever. God, would you almost sometimes, would you leave me alone? I got it, I got it, I got it. But as soon as He leaves you alone and you lose the desire to do the right thing, are you ever going to do it? You can only do it when He's giving you that desire to. He said, Man, don't you dare. That's when He talked about casting pearls to swine. You remember that in the scripture? He said, Given the gospel, this valuable, precious gift. The people who are going to trample on it and reject it and spurn it. He said, that's like throwing beautiful pearls to pigs. And that's what he's getting ready to say. I'm not doing that. He said, but man, if you've got a desire to follow me and sell out to me too, it is worth it. And so he goes on. And he says, therefore, since you ask, I'll explain this parable to you. Remember the other people? He didn't explain it to them. He just said, yeah, dude, guy went out, seed fell out, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, duh. God, what do you mean by that? These guys followed and said, what? Hey, so let me ask you a question. If you don't understand something, can you ask God? And, and let me ask you another question. Does God tell you immediately? Like, you know, do we send him a text? I'm like, dang, God didn't send my text back. <laughs> it's been five minutes and I haven't heard back from him. I mean, this instant world we live in, isn't that what we expect sometimes? Just maybe God wants you to get on your face before him and spend all night before him. Or like James, old camel knees, man, and spend like... 12, 14, 18 hours in prayer with him. When's the last time you spent more than a couple of hours in prayer with him? Man, this is what revival's built on. This is what the first century church had. This is what Jesus expected his followers to do. But we are crowded. How many of y'all say you got a crowded schedule? I don't have time to spend that much time with him. That's why this Bible app that I was getting, I've, I found it this this read scripture bible app 20 minutes 20 minutes a day and again i'm not trying to minimize it i'm just saying for starters dude you got to do something you can't lead people if you're not hearing to, to follow him if you can't you're not hearing from him you can't lead people to follow him if you're not hearing from him hey check this out uh somebody got a calculator on your phone real quick we got a calculator? Come on, let's see who's fastest one on the phone, right? You got it right there, bro? Okay, Uh, 24 (laughs) times 60. 24 times 60. uh, 1,440. 1,440, so let's just say right now, let's just say, Emily, if I was gonna give you $1,440 every day. how many of y'all would (laughs) love to sign up for that program? $1,440 every single day. Now, what if the only stipulation was that you took 20 of those dollars and you bought me something every day? Would it be okay? How many of y'all would that be okay? Or would that be like, no, dude, you're just asking too much right now. (laughs) You still get to keep what? $1,420, right? But but you have to make the commitment that every day you're going to spend 20 bucks on me and give it to me, right? How many of y'all would still be part of the deal? Anybody be part of that deal? You understand that God has given us 14. What was the number again? Yeah. How many was we'll it again? Fourteen hundred and forty minutes a day. And all these. And, and if we would take that amount of time that we have in a day and just give him 20 minutes of it, would that be insurmountable? Would that be unreasonable? No, in fact, there's other generations like the pilgrim generation say you're a heathen and you're you're lost if you don't oh, that's all you do. <laughs> but in our culture that we have created where we are crowded and we have so much to do and we've made it so busy, we can't even give God 20 minutes a day. I want to challenge you to do that. If you're not hearing from him, how can you be following? You know, it's no wonder that we call the play on Sunday and then we go sit back down and then we come back next Sunday hoping it's a better play. And then you get tired of this huddle and go to another huddle because they call better plays there or the Gatorade's better. The bench is air conditioned or whatever. But it's not until we start running the plays. That's the fun part of the game. And it's not until you start getting into God's word and hearing from him that you're going to be able to start doing that. So he said, therefore, here the parable is so if you ask me, ask me what it's about. I'll tell you, Jesus says. He said, when anybody hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, then the wicked one comes, snatches it away. And what was sown in his heart, this is he who has received seed by the wayside. So he said, as a farmer's walking and seed's just falling out, the farmer's not even trying to sow it right there. It just falls on concrete. And he said, the birds come and they snatch it away. He said, that's like the person who's following me just to see the miracle. That's like the person who just followed me because they want to see what's going on. That's the person who's following me, but has absolutely no intentions on giving me their life because they already have given themselves their own life. They've got their life, and I'm not going to be able to interfere in that. That's the callous heart. That's the prideful heart that says I'm the boss. And if I've got anything that maybe fits in, we'll do it. But he says, so he said that's the callous heart. Let me ask you a question: Is that person a born-again believer? Is that person saved? No. That person is not saved at all. And there's no fruit. That's what Jesus says in John. He said, you're going to know me by the fruit. There's going to be fruit, you know. But look at verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places where it fell in the cracks in the sidewalk, this who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And I cannot tell you how many flashes in the spiritual pans I have seen in my days of pastoring. Where people receive the word and they're like, yes, I'm on fire. Yes, I'm sold out. Yes, I'm doing this. But look what happens next. They receive it with joy, yet have no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Look at what it says. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they stumble and they give up. That's people like, yes, I love Jesus. In here, it's awesome. And they come to the huddle. And then God gives them an opportunity to run a play. And they start running the play. And they're like, I'm scared. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be a part. And, and, and so is there any fruit produced there? No. So is that person saved? No. Not according to the scripture. Jesus preached a hard gospel. We softened it up. And there's going to be a lot of people, according to Matthew chapter 7, that think they're saved, that are going to be put in the wrong line. They're accountable. They're accountable to take whatever. If they want to ask God and then they want to ask him what this all means, he'll be, he'll be glad to tell them. But the fact is, is, we've been preaching a lot of false gospel around. Oh, you, got, you, you love Jesus? Awesome. Let's baptize you. And then they never show up anywhere ever again, but they're counting on that thing. They're counting on this to, to make them saved. It's discipleship. It's walking with him. It's, 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 it's following him all the days of your life. And is anybody here perfect in doing that? Steve, you perfect. Not even. Hey, is your husband perfect? see Your wife perfect? <laughs> we'll <laughs> oh yeah, There you go. <laughs> Good answer. Guys, take note on that, right? But she knows she's not, right? Man, look what happens. This person's got a cowardly heart. First one had a callous heart. Next one's a cowardly heart because basically they're gonna go until it's uncomfortable. Until it's not comfortable for them to follow Christ anymore. Next verse he said now. He who receives seed among the thorns. He's the one who hears the word. So here he is. He's spilling more seed and it falls in and it's among the weeds and thorns and it's getting crowded out. He said, who hears the word, but look at this, the cares of this world. Hey, what are cares of this world? Help me out with some of these. Money. money? Okay, no, that's the next one. That that is, you're right. That that should encompass both of them, but we're going to, he especially addresses that one. What are some other cares of the world? My job. My family matters. What are some other cares of the world? Help me out. Peace. A crash car. A bank account that looks anemic. <laughs> you know, it's got a hole in it. My bank account has a hole in it and I cannot patch it. Anybody can recognize it? Yeah. What are other cares of the world? Help me out. Come on, man. What are cares of the world? What are some things that distract you? Clothes. Sickness. 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 Health. Yeah. Health. What else? I said clothes. Clothes. Yeah. There you go. How about hobbies? How about mini lobster season? <laughs> how about hunting season, Jack? No, I'm just, dude, I am so proud of you. You came through hunting season this year, man. You, it's been awesome to watch God. That's how I can tell God's growing you, man, and watching God change your desires, but you're still getting them, aren't you? Man, what else? What else distracts us, man? Social media. Social. Oh, how about this one? Social media. God didn't, so God didn't really know about Facebook then, did he? No? I'm just saying. Oh, can you not get distracted? The cares. The How about political issues where the world's the media's got us pitted against each other and all we can think of about is opposing views. and get so mad our heads are getting ready to explode. Yeah. So look what happens, man. Those are people who receive the word and they're like, yes, I'm going to live for Jesus until you get on Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to live Jesus until my car breaks down. I'm going to live for Jesus until all of a sudden it's lobster season. All of a sudden until this happens, this happens, this. And look at this. The cares of the world. And what's the next part? The... Oh, I want you to read that all together. What's that D word? Deceitfulness. Um, yeah, because if he left out that word deceitfulness, look how it would say. And the riches. <laughs> Man, the deceitfulness of riches. Man, riches... Proverbs says your money can fly away with wings like eagles. Anybody ever seen their money do that before? Boy, I know I have. When Emily's rear end fell out. Oh, I got to check for you, bro. When Emily's rear end fell out, dude, it's like I'm watching all the money fall out through that. But it, God provided, you know. But the deceitfulness of riches when now in my life is completely about trying to take care of paying my bills. When Jesus said, Don't worry about what you're gonna wear, don't worry about what you're gonna eat, don't worry about them. those are what people who those are what people who don't have me worry about all the time. That's what they spend their whole life on. He said, But instead, you tell me what? Seek first, always the kingdom of God and my righteousness, and everything you need will be added unto you. Now, will God make a way to you pay your bills? Absolutely. Will God make a way for you to have a job? Absolutely. Will God make a way for us to worry about? Yes. But you'll be furthering his kingdom as you're working for him in the place where he has you in all of this. So look at this. He said, yeah, this person, man, they got all fired up for Christ. But all of a sudden, all these other things in life came up and got them all distracted. And, and it was funny how you said money. And, and I'm just going to tell you, somebody asked me once uh, recently, they said, what's the number one thing? And it wasn't in our premarital counseling. But they asked me recently, what's the number one thing you deal with in marriage counseling? What's the number one issue you see? And yes, I know I could go back to when you surrender yourself to God, everything works out. But the number one carnal issue I see splitting couples up and causing problems is money. 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 So I said deceitfulness of riches. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. He said otherwise it's going to choke out the word in your life. There's not going to be room for the word, not going to be room for the spirit to speak and you to hear. And what's going to happen? You're going to become what's that last word? Unfruitful. Unfruitful. If you're a follower of Christ, you produce fruit. If if I go to a tree and I pick a nice navel orange, what kind of tree is that? It's a navel orange tree. If I go pick a kumquat, how many of y'all know what a kumquat is? If I go to pick a kumquat, what kind of tree is that? Kumquat Kumquat tree. How many of y'all don't know what a kumquat is? Dude, it's awesome. It's a little orange this big, and you pick it off, and you eat the whole thing. You got to eat the skin and the insides. It's a yin-yang thing, and it's awesome. But, so if you ever get a chance, just fight the whole thing. He said, by the fruit, you're going to know what kind of tree it is. And that's what Jesus said about us. If you don't have any fruit there's a good chance you ain't in a Jesus tree. So he said, man, these three people, these three kinds of situations that have, one, a calloused heart, two, a cowardly heart, three, a crowded heart. And by the way, you'll see in Re- the book of Revelation around 13, 12, 13, that those are listed in the people who aren't in heaven also. But he says, "You got if that's you, that's characteristic of your life, there's going to be no fruit, and don't think that you are saved. But he goes on. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen to us, but if that is your life, but look what he says. But he who receives seed on the good ground, where the sower meant to sow it, did he mean to sow it on the concrete? Did he mean to sow it in the cracks? He's not a very good farmer. Hey, Sean, you're a farmer, right? It, would, you, would you be? Your seeds cost money, don't they? The plants cost money. Would it be wise to just take? Do you guys sit and do plant, plant seeds? What do you do? Okay, you yeah you start off little seeds, right? Would it be great to throw? Those seeds cost money. Would it be awesome to just throw those seeds on some concrete? Would that be wise? No. You wouldn't be a very good farmer. Is God a better farmer than you? So he's not throwing seed on the concrete. Hey, would it be good to throw them in the cracks in the sidewalk? No, and God's a better farmer than you, and you wouldn't even do that. Would it be good to throw the seeds in a field full of weeds and let them all grow up? No, that wouldn't be being a good farmer. And God, you think God's a good farmer? He's the best. So where does God throw? Them? You start these seeds off. How do you start your seeds off, Sean? We start them off in the most delicate process. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear that? In the most delicate process. And, 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 and God does, too, because where does he start the seed off at? Yeah, dude, inside you. He gets you. He's got to get you down to a point where you can receive him into a delicate process. Get you away from all of the cares of this world. Get you to a point where you've got no place else to look but him, Right? How many of y'all been there? And that's how he—that's how he starts our seed out of faith in the most delicate process. Go ahead, help me out. We didn't even plan this like we did the skit, man. And, and, and you have like special dirt, or you just grab dirt off the beach anywhere—dirt off my foot. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So you're starting them off pure without impurities. You're starting them off. What's that biblical word for pure? What's that H word that ends in Y and has an O-L in the middle? Holy. Yes. That's it. You start those because you know those seeds, man. They got to be started out holy. They got to be started out pure and they got to grow or they don't have a chance if they're not in that. And how many of you, when you first gave your life to Christ, you were holy? Dude, you didn't want to do anything against what God wanted if you knew it, man. You were, have you ever seen baby Christians, brand-new, born again? And man, they're just like on fire for Christ. And then what do we say, us old-timers, who are all lukewarm? Oh, just wait. They'll turn out like us. Now, do you know? But, no, I'm just joking. I hope that's not us. But, yeah, so you start them out, and then you raise them up. And, 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 and then and then what happens? Just to, Dude, you transplant them when the soil... Yeah, you transplant them in where... Now, if it's... uh, What kind of stuff you grow? Uh, Okay, spinach. Do you got any spinach growing in the ice in Antarctica? No. No. (laughs) You got any growing out in the middle of the ocean right now? No. No. There's certain places it grows. And you know what? That's what God does to our heart, isn't it? He takes us and he transplants us in different places. And wherever he has put us... Wherever he's got you right now, Andrew, where's he got you right now, bro? Sitting right there. Where's he got you in life? Working. Yeah, wherever he's got you, he's put you there. Milt, he's got you exactly where he wants you. Ellie's got you right where he wants you. He's, got, he's the one, the master gardener, that's put us and transplanted us to where we're at. So if that plant's supposed to grow in that, where you determine it's supposed to grow, Man, what are we supposed to do when the master gardeners put us where we're supposed to grow? What are we supposed to do? Grow. That's the green. And as we grow more in love with him, he caused us to grow more in love with others. And so in this, that's what he says. But look what he says in this. And we're almost done. We'll probably have to hit Apostle Paul a little bit later. But he received seed on the good ground. This is where he meant to plant the seed. He didn't mean to plant on the other places. That's just stuff that got some seed. That's people who don't have the Holy Spirit working in their life or they've rejected it and they're hearing things. They're putting on some religiosity to make themselves feel better but not willing to surrender themselves to him, which is what's required. And he goes on and says, he who hears the word and understands it. Look at that. The seed that's planted in the good ground, it's a person that hears the word and does what? Yeah, did anybody else really understand it And the other three? No. They didn't even receive it in that. Hey, Josh, your mom ever say, did you hear me? All the time. <laughs> what it, it, Does she think you need hearing aids? I think she do, 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 <laughs> not, yeah, she said that to you, too, right? Zane, wow. did you hear me? Does, does she think there's something physically wrong with your hearing? No. no. Why would she, <laughs> but then why would she ask such a silly question? Did you hear me? Because, why would she ask you that? Because... I'm not you heard her, but your actions didn't support the fact that you heard her because obviously, because obviously as, as the supreme authority over you, you would, how dare you hear what she said and not actually have actions to follow up with that. Isn't that what you're really saying? Like, dude, if you didn't do it, you didn't, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, those are working, but something messed up. And in the Hebrew, hear and obey are the same thing. And that's why, how many of y'all ever said, hey, did you hear me? <laughs> right? Because I, I, I'm, I know you physically heard me, but your actions didn't follow up with what I asked you to do. Now, if God's asking you to do something, should our actions follow up with what he's asked us to do? Yeah. And so he says, man, they heard the word. They understood the word. And look what they indeed bear fruit. Fruit. And look at this. Some, hundredfold, some, and some. So are we all supposed to be like each other? Are we supposed to all supposed to have the same amount of fruit in our life? No. No. Should we get upset when somebody's got more fruit? When their church is bigger, their church is smaller, that person seems to have you know, more stuff going on with God than me. And that If we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's going to give us what he wants us to do. Quit comparing yourself to everybody else. Stay in touch with him and follow him because your fruit may not look like the other person's fruit. Hey, Carl, man, is that, is, 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 is that navel orange going to look the same as a tangerine? Should the tangerine tree be ticked off because it's not growing navels? No. In fact, the navels now are not as good as a tangerine. So I'd rather have a tangerine tree. God's growing you into the tree he wants you to be. And know that it's all going to happen, but it comes down to you receiving the word. All right, guys, I know it is 1103 and give me three minutes to knock this out because this is crucial. This is the explanation of this whole thing with Paul. We're now... And uh, we've been in chapter 13, Um, Paul's first missionary journey. You remember, they left Jerusalem. They went up to Antioch. They went down the river. They sailed over to Cyprus. They preached their way all the way across Cyprus on the west coast. And it was Paul, Barnabas, and um, who's the other dude? wrote a book. John Mark, John Mark right. right. He, Peter's assistant, but he wrote, he was Barnabas his cousin, and he wrote, and, and they went across, and they sailed over there. Alright, so they preached all the way across there. Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came ...to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch of Pisidia... ...and went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent them saying... ...men and brothers, if you have any word to exhort for the people, say on. Well, since I'm going to preach like Jesus, I'm... No, I'm just... <laughs> um, seriously, that's all we're, I want to look at this super, super quick. So they're over on the west coast of Cyprus... And this is where Paul was. I want you to see Paul was sold out to Christ. Paul was not into com- comfort. Paul was into being captain courageous for Christ. And, and you're going to see that over and over. Paul is a classic example of what Christ said was going to be needed for salvation. So Paul and his party. What do you? What were they called before? They were called Paul and Sil- or Paul and uh, Barnabas. and Barnabas, right? And we knew John Mark was around. But now look at this new one. Paul, help me out with this, Paul. Wouldn't that make a good band (laughs) if your name was Paul, Tom, right? Paul and his party, man. Now they're looking at Paul being the leader in all of this. Paul and his party. So you see as they preached all the way across Cyprus and and they led that governor to Christ in the last part of the the scripture. Man, now it's Paul and his party. And they set sail from Paphos, which is on the west coast. Now, they came to Perga and Pamphylia. All right, if you have maps in your Bible, you might look at this later, but I'm going to tell you what they did. They left this coast, and they sailed a little over 100 miles, which would be up to Jacksonville. So they were getting ready, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark were going to sail about 100 miles north. And so um, we don't know what it was like, if it was rough seas, good seas. Not, they, we just know they sailed. Sometimes we think just Paul got miraculously transported, planted. We read in the Bible, oh, he's here, he's there. And we assume he took a plane like we would, you know, or he got in his car and just drove to Walmart, dude. It's, no, man, these guys, they sailed 100 miles. How many of y'all ever sailed 100 miles? Okay. You ever, yeah. Have you had a good 100 miles and have you had a bad 100 miles? Yeah, usually good, but have you had a bad 100 miles? How many of you ever got seasick before? <laughs> Yeah, dude, Nicky, he would take 100 miles, did it? Okay, so we got John, Mark, we got Paul, and we got, and we've got, uh, what's the other day? Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And they're sailing 100 miles. And so they're going up, and how many of y'all, that would do you in, sailing 100 miles? Anybody say, no, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not a sailor. <laughs> What about Bob? We could duct tape you two of the bass going, I'm a sailor. Anybody remember that movie? All right, so they're sailing 100 miles up to Paphos. Then look at this. It says, then they came to Pergia in Pamphyla, and John departed. Uh, I'm sorry, from uh, Paphos to Pergia in Pamphyla, they got there. And after this 100-mile journey of sailing, look what happens. John Mark, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. John Mark, whatever happened, he says, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> and I don't know if he got seasick. All right, so let's go back to the soils. One, he could have been basically, you know what? I'm not doing this. I'm not going on this like wanton party excursion wherever Paul wants to go. You know, I'm not going where he wants. I, I'm, you know, I'm tired of this journey on all of this. And so he could have had a calloused heart. He could have been upset because his cousin Barnabas was no longer in charge. And now Paul was probably in charge because they are calling him Paul and his party now. And so he could have been upset and been callous and said, no, man, I'm done with this. I'm not going any further. Number two, he could have been scared because it could have been a rough hundred miles. It could have been. And he knew what the next part of the journey was going to be. Because look at this. When it goes on to say after John Mark leaving them, look at this next verse. It says, but when they departed, oh, tell uh-huh. me out here, John, you know, the password, right? All right, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia. Now, let's imagine we're in Jacksonville, and all of a sudden, we're going to walk to Tallahassee. But let's imagine that from Jacksonville to Tallahassee is 3,600-foot elevation with cliffs and valleys and roads that are this narrow going around with no guardrails and, and having to be a cliffhanger and hold on like a rock climber. And let's imagine that, in, that as you go through a valley, flash floods came through because that's what the road from that place to that place was like. And not only that, but on the good places, there were robbers there to beat up and rob the, the guys who had been traveling that were already weary. But Paul was courageous and wanted to get there because he had a message to share. John Mark possibly was scared and he was done with this journey. And so, so in this, he could have been just scared like the, like the second part of the sea. But by the same token, he may have had another agenda. He said, you know what, this is Paul and Barnabas' thing. I'm getting out of here. I got too much to do back in Jerusalem to follow this. For whatever reason, we don't know why he left, but the reason we do anything is, one, we either have a calloused heart, we have a, help me out, we have a callous heart, we have a cowardly heart, we have a crowded heart, or we have a committed heart. And, and I'm not throwing that out either. He could have had a committed heart, but I doubt it, because in a couple of chapters, we're going to see where Paul and Barnabas are going out again, and Barnabas is like, hey, let's take John Mark, and what does Paul say? Absolutely not, that little wuss bag. He's not going with me anywhere. And that is in the Eddie version. Yeah, he's not going with me anywhere ever again. But the cool thing about it, it created two missionary teams. Because Paul now took Silas out and Barnabas and Mark went out. And so God can even make good beauty out of ashes in that. But the bottom line is I doubt that Mark left because the Holy Spirit of God told him to. I think he was scared. I think he was calloused or he was crowded. He had one of those hearts in that. So, but what I want you to see is I want you to see Paul's heart, because again, he sailed a hundred miles to get to a place only to have to walk uh, 200 miles to get to a, to a place and only to walk another hundred miles through cliffs and mountains and treacherous terrain. And many people think because of what he wrote to the Galatians, he had malaria when he did this. Anybody here ever had malaria? No? Anybody seen anybody with malaria? Yeah, dude, malaria's bad junk. And they think, but what Paul wrote to the guy because this area where they end up, Antioch of Pisidia, it's actually the area of, called Galatia. And it's where Paul planted the Galatian church. And so there's some stories that go along with that also we'll touch on later. But we think maybe this dude was sick, but he didn't let that stop him. He didn't let anything stop him from what God had planned for him. He was committed. And so it says... In the last verse here, when they got there, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He sat down after reading the law and the prophets, which is what they did in the synagogue. They read scripture law and the prophets is the whole Old Testament. and They had passages they read. And then usually they would invite maybe some guests after they recited some things. They would invite a guest rabbi. Now, Paul, as far as they knew, he was trained by who was the guy? Gamaliel. Yeah, Gamaliel. He was trained, I mean, by a famous rabbi. Right. And he was. Uh, uh, so they're like, dude, hey, man, come depart some message on us. This is what Paul was waiting for. He was waiting for the opportunity to speak the truth to these people that needed to hear about Christ. And so he goes on and he says, men and brethren, or they said, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. That's like saying, Pastor Eddie, do you have anything to say? Well, as a matter of fact, I have traveled 300 miles through treacherous terrain to be able to say this to you. So Paul, man, after traveling 300 miles of dangerous area to get this out, what do you think he said when they said, hey, you got something to say? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to tell you what he said. You'll have to come back next week for that. Um, And I don't have that next verse, man. Um, Oh, so anyways. Paul, yeah, next week, Paul's going to tell us what he had to say in this. But again, he just preaches Christ. So let me ask you a question. Here's where it all comes down to. Um, Are you Captain Comfortable or are you Captain Courageous when it comes to your spiritual walk? If you think that the Holy Spirit's revealing to you that you're Captain Comfortable and your life is about your comfort, I want to challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Is it because... Maybe I got a callous heart. Maybe I own my life and I'm not willing to let anybody, including God, tell me what to do with it. Or is it because you're scared? You have a cowardly heart and you're like, man, I, I, I just you know what? I'm scared. Well, me, too. And the apostle Paul was and Peter was. If you knew what was coming out on the other side, it wouldn't be faith. But you can trust God. That all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's going to make you more like Christ. It's for your good and for his glory. And even if it's the worst thing in the world, it's going to be nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us in heaven one day. Or maybe you got a crowded heart. And honestly, I think that's where we're at in America right now. How many notifications do you think you're going to have to respond to that just came while I preach for the last three hours? You know? How many phone calls are you going to have to make? How many emails? How many of all that? Because that's the world we live in. Aren't you glad you're not standing and I'm sitting in a boat? (laughs) And so ask God if maybe your life's just crowded. Try to figure out how to get your priorities back in line. Here's my priorities that I strive for. I strive to have God as my number one priority. And that's not me as a pastor. That's just my relationship with God. If I can't be the best Christian I can be, Number two, my family. I can't be the best husband I can be. If I can't be the best husband I can be, I can't be the best daddy I can be. And if I can't be the best daddy I can be, I can't be the best grandpa I can be. And if I can't be the best grandpa I can be, I can't be the best pastor I can be. And everything comes below that. Even surfing. and that's why i've got this because i haven't surfed all summer because god brings waves on sunday while we're preaching and days when i have other stuff to do but you know what i ain't gonna have this in heaven unless it's fashionable no i'm just joking but again priorities are not easy but it's got to be god your family your job and everything below that and let me ask you what squeaks the loudest in your life out of those three. What squeaks the loudest? The job. So we try to satisfy the job. And then we've got our families. Don't they squeak the loudest next? Aren't they squeaking loudest? And then if we've got a little spare time, we hang out with God. Or maybe you're like Zane and you're watching GodTube all day while you're at work. And I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really do that, do you? <laughs> Not Only messing. When <laughs> Only when you're driving, right? But listen, man. Keep those priorities in line. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added unto you. But there is no halfway Christianity. You're either all in or you're all out. And I'm not saying we don't have time where we get distracted and, and, and we don't have we don't represent those other kinds of soil. But if you find yourself that way, man, get rid of that and be committed. Get out of the huddle and go for the play and watch God work. Let's pray. Father, I pray first and foremost that if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ, that today your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart. Maybe they've been in church their whole life. Maybe they've, they've, they can quote the Bible inside and out. I don't know. Maybe they know nothing about anything. But right now, your Holy Spirit would be revealing to them that they might just be put in that wrong line. The line that, that doesn't go to heaven, but the line that goes to hell. And, and, and you revealed that to them today. Father, I pray that you would show them how much you love them. That you so love the world that you made a remedy. The only remedy. And you're offering it to them. And right now at this moment, this time, they're getting it. They're understanding it. And realize what Jesus said. That how blessed you are to understand this right now. Father, if that's where they're at, Father, I pray that that they wouldn't be calloused and and, and be so proud that they would want to keep being their boss and reject what you're trying to give them. Father, I pray that they wouldn't be cowardly and scared because all of us were scared when we surrendered ourselves to you, but we had a desire we couldn't refuse. Give them that desire. And Father, I know they probably got a lot of questions as to, man, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? Father, I pray they would just surrender all they know about themselves to all they know about you. And let you do the work, which is what you do. But help them realize what is going on right now. And realize that this could be a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to surrender. It may not come again. It may, but they can't count on it. So, Father, if there's somebody who has that desire to really, truly become a disciple, I pray you give them a desire they can't refuse. And right now, from their heart to yours, they would just surrender at all. For us, Father, that know we got a home in heaven, know for sure when we die we're going to heaven, know we're only on the clock for you however long you keep us here. Father, we show us areas of our life where we're calloused and we're just not going to let you in. And will you keep working on those calloused areas Will you soak them away and make them soft and rip them off and make them a blister and make them even an open wound, Father, so that we have to deal with it and we won't be calloused towards you. Father, show us areas where we're scared and just give us more faith. Father, give us the ability just to follow you. And Father, show us areas where we're too crowded and help us find remedies according to your word and according to your wisdom as to how we can put things back in place again so that we can seek first, seek only, seek always the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Father. And then count on you taking care of all the rest. Father, I so want Driftwood. And I so want all the churches in this this area, all the churches in this country to look like the New Testament church. Where, Father, our whole goal and our whole mission is to worship and follow you. And bring others to you. And I just pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.